G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Mark Fine. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. This is a special edition, a two-part extravaganza wrapping up the seasons of the 16 clubs who will not be contesting the 2021 AFL Grand Final. Part one, we look at the bottom of the ladder team's 18th to 11th and we'll give you the rundown on each of those clubs how they fared and what they need to do in order to get better next year um as i say a very good morning to my footyology co-host mark fine we're slipping into analytical mode fine are you excited by that i am i'm looking forward to uh yeah we assess the teams that missed out i think their fans also We'll be looking forward to a little bit of honest appraisal. And I'm also interested in the Palmer bet odds for the grand final because, uh, yeah, we sort of guessed that it would be pretty close and you've got the official numbers. I do too. Palmer bet, of course, proud partner of the Footyology podcast. Play the punting advantage this footy season. Remember to gamble responsibly and the early grand final odds head-to-head provided by Palmerbet, and this is a week and a half out from the game. Melbourne, a pretty warm favourite with the boys at Palmerbet. You can get $1.64 on the Demons. And the Western Bulldogs wouldn't mind a piece of this, $2.27. I'm surprised they are that long. Those are head-to-head odds on Palmerbet, a week and a half out from the grand final. What about our other wonderful sponsors, Finey? Well, it's odds on for sure. The absolute favourite in the field. I'm talking about a brilliant burger from Andrews Hamburgers, 144 Bridport Street, Albert Park. If you're within the 5Ks, don't dally. Get down there for a beautiful bite. And when you are considering renovating or rebuilding a home in the inner southeastern Melbourne suburbs, think no further than West Point Properties and Nick Spartels' team. Our other great official partner is Stats Insider, a sports and data-driven industry leader providing model projections and analysis to more than 15 sports across the world. And that includes the English Premier League, where the futures model is currently assessing Manchester City as having a 54% chance of winning their fourth title in five seasons. Stats Insider simulates an event 10,000 times to best understand both the range of possible outcomes and the probability of each result. Along with their famed pre-match and in-game projections, Stats Insider is also known for their full-season AFL projections, which now include this year's Brownlow medal and where Marcus Bontepelli has a 23.3% chance of becoming the 11th Bulldog ever to win the award. Stats Insider also home to some of Australia's best independent sports writing and analysis. Everything's free to use on site, so check them out at statsinsider.com.au and give them a follow on Twitter at Stats Insider. 
Okay, we are here to review teams 18 to 11. Let's get into it. Coming in at the bottom of the ladder, North Melbourne. They finished 18th with four wins, 17 losses and a draw. They ranked for points scored 17th and points conceded last. No one leaked more points than the Roos. Season high for them, well, had to be that great win in Perth over West Coast by 10 points in round 16. And absolutely no doubt about the season low, that came early in the piece with a shocking loss to the Western Bulldogs in round three by a massive 128 points. Finally, who were the notable uh, absentees during their campaign? Certainly Jed Anderson missed 15 games. Luke McDonald missed half the season. And Robbie Tarrant, 12 games. And, of course, Ben Cunnington missed games at the start of the year because of concussion. And at the end of the year, more concerningly, because of that testicular cancer, he missed seven games in total. Look, they used 38 players. So they certainly gave the list a good looking at, Rowan. Well, it's an interesting season. Not often you can say this about a wooden spooner, but I think a lot of North Melbourne fans would be pretty encouraged by the season they had, despite only four wins. It certainly didn't start well. Eight losses to start with, but really turned things around after breaking the ice against uh, Hawthorne down in Tassie. Uh, There were some big wins. Aaron Hall's shift to defence was a bit of a masterstroke by David Noble. Jack Zeeble played well in defence also. And they got continued improvement from the younger players in the side who will be their future. And we're talking there about Luke Davies, Uniac, Taron Thomas, and up forward, a really exciting pair, key forward Nick Larkey and Cameron Zerha. Um, I think going forward, uh, they definitely just need to keep loading up on talent. Finally, Larkey certainly needs some key uh, forward support. Could probably use another tall defender and a zippy small forward who can um, keep the defensive pressure on and hit the scoreboard pretty regularly. But I think for a side that finished bottom of the ladder, it was a pretty reasonable year by the Roos. How do you say it? Agreed. And add the fact that it was David Noble's first year as coach. I think he made a meaningful contribution to the game style in terms of improving it and having them as a more accountable football team. I couldn't agree more in terms of Davis Uniaki and Taron Thomas and Larkey. And I think the only other position really, really that they have to have a look at is another good year for Todd Goldstein, but he can't go around forever, Rowan. And he does need some support there. We hope that Ben Cunnington returns because I tell you what, when he's on the field, he's a mighty good footballer. And I think all in all, North Melbourne can keep the ship going in the same direction and be pretty enthused about what the future holds. Yeah, well, I think overall, it's just about continuing to add young talent to the stocks, isn't it? They need to hit the draft pretty hard. Um, uh, Good call on some of the older players there because they are going to start uh, dropping off the pace uh, perhaps in the next year or two. But um, it, it certainly means a slight change of strategy, and that is fewer senior experience trade-ins from other clubs, um, but just continuing to pick the eyes out of the young talent coming through. And um, unlike, I think, previous years where North's campaigns have been basically propped up 
by those more experienced players, this was a really good indicator of the future because the drivers of that side are now the likes of LDU and and Thomas and 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 Zerha and Larky, who uh, both I think are really exciting prospects. So uh, again, for a side that finished on bottom of the ladder, um, I think there's some exciting years ahead for uh, supporters of the Kangaroos. I agree. And the one other thing, I've got a feeling that in years to come, if not even already the case, that we do have a little bit of Fortress Hobart. And I think that they can certainly build. We know, for example, how much Geelong love getting back to their home ground. I've got a feeling that North Melbourne in the years to come will have some really um, positive results. And not just positive results, some real benefits from playing down in Hobart as well. Well, that was 2021 for the North Melbourne Football Club. They brought up the rear of the AFL ladder. Let's go up one rung. In 17th spot on the AFL ladder and pretty unaccustomed territory for this club, Collingwood. Six wins, just six wins for the season, 16 losses. In terms of points scored, they ranked only 16th. Certainly had a lot of trouble hitting the scoreboard, and fewest points conceded, ranked only 11th. The high for the Magpies, uh, not much doubt, I reckon it was that great win up in Sydney in the uh, big freeze game against Melbourne by 17 points in round 13, which was also, coincidentally or not, Nathan Buckley's last game as Collingwood coach. The low... Well, things were pretty miserable at various stages through the year, but uh, I think the lowest point for the Pies, a loss on the MCG to Gold Coast in round seven in front of a crowd of just 24,397. So the uh, Collingwood bandwagon certainly started emptying pretty rapidly once it became clear they weren't going to be a key player in 2021. Finey, uh, they had some injury worries. Who missed some uh, large slices of games for them? Well, I sort of feel that their main loss occurred injury-wise back of centre with Jeremy Howell missing 14 games. Look, he's a wonderful player, very important. And I think that they really dropped off once they lost the services of young Darcy Moore and he missed nine games in the centre of the ground. Taylor Adams only played 14 of 22 we know Pendlebury missed the last month. And up forward, it was really only Jamie Elliott who missed a sizable chunk of the season. The Magpies used 39 players, Rowan. They had a look at just about everybody on the list. And I guess that is an indicator of the fact that they finished well down the ladder. Well, I reckon it's pretty easy sometimes to link off-field uh, strife to on-field performance. But... I think this is one case where it was pretty relevant indeed. And uh, everything Collingwood did on the field uh, came against a backdrop of off-field instability. And that started even before the season began with the uh, dramatic resignation of Eddie Maguire as president back in February. And that preceded a, a lot of internal jousting over who would become president. Finally, they nominated Mark Corder. And then uh, no, he hadn't been in the chair too long when we started hearing rumblings about uh, board coups and takeovers by Eddie Maguire's great mate, Jeff Brown. And that one is still going on and uh, still unresolved. Um, how do you see this season? Well, you could uh, certainly draw some parallels between the unsettled nature of the off-field and the on-field, even though I've got to say that the 
the succession from Nathan Buckley to Robert Harvey went pretty smoothly. And as you pointed out, finished on a high with that victory over Melbourne up in Sydney. The good news for the future, and it is very good news, I think, is that they quickly settled their coaching appointment for 2021. It's met with universal approbation. I'm talking, of course, of McRae. He's now the senior coach and he's attracting a good quality assortment of assistant coaches to come along with him. So in terms of the future, they've quickly sorted that out. McRae can be part, and this is very important for mine, he gets to be part of the recruiting process, the drafting process, gets his imprimatur, and for that, I think Collingwood supporters should be well pleased. Well, what's he got to work with? Uh, I think the lack of depth was really exposed by the departures of Adam Trelaw and uh, Tom Phillips and Jaden Stevenson, all of whom did pretty well at the clubs they ended up at, and uh, the Pies really weren't able to replace him effectively. That said, I think there were some good signs with some of the young guys that uh, we saw a fair bit of during the year. Finlay McRae, uh, Bo McCreary, Jack Ginnivan towards the end, I thought looked all right. Caleb Poulter looked comfortable in defence and Trent Bianco had a bit of class about him. And uh, Jordan Degoe's second half of the season as a bona fide midfielder, I think that was a real positive for him as well. What else do you think they have to work with? Well, I certainly like the look of... um young uh, Henry. He's shown a little bit of promise, but it's probably, you've mentioned them, the ones that I think in the in the guts of the season, which is sometimes the hardest time to play midwinter, in terms of um, young footballers, pretty impressed by Poulter. Uh, sort of a, a young, rough-looking diamond, but I think he played some pretty good football. Trent Bianco knows where the ball is. How about... I'd, I think their concerns again revolve around this forward line of theirs, though, Rowan. We saw some youngsters show a little bit of promise, and you mentioned Ginnivan, but really more of a long-term type of project, I would have thought. I would have thought, again, it looks like Mason Cox will not be a Collingwood player. I think his time there is done. They rely heavily on Myocek. You mentioned to go, he played better football further up the field. Elliot, good, but injury prone. I don't know about Thomas. I think that's where they still are going to be wanting in 2021. All right. Well, uh, certainly a fair bit of work for the new coach, Craig McRae, to do, but his appointment might indeed be a good start. All right, let's move on. In 16th spot on the ladder, Gold Coast, they had seven wins and 15 losses. Points scored? Well, no one scored fewer points than did the Suns. 18th they ranked for points scored and fewest points conceded, only 13th. The high for the Suns, well, they did have a few and this, I thought, was the pick of them. It was the win over Richmond by 10 points at Marvel Stadium in round 16 at a time when the Tigers were still legitimate finals contenders. That was a particularly good win for the Suns, arguably the best in their history. The low, well, it came at the same venue and disturbingly, only about a month later, they lost to Melbourne by 98 points at Marvel in round 20 and kicked just four goals for the game in the process. So still very prone to uh, some shocking lows along with perhaps a couple more highs in 2021. They certainly had their share of injuries, didn't they, Finey? 
Well, the big one and big in size and big in impact happened in round four when Jared Whips, the skipper, went down with a knee injury, Rowan, and out for the season. They just couldn't cover him. Matt Rowell got injured early on. I've got to say, he came back in time to play two months of football and certainly didn't hit the heights that we'd seen both this year and last year in small dispatches. And uh, they also had Lockie Weller out for nine weeks. Braden Friarini only played 10 games. A lot of that was a selection issue because he finished the season on a high. They used 38 players. They tried a lot. Uh, They'd be disappointed with the return from a couple of recruits. I don't think they got much out of Rory Atkins. And to be honest, not that much out of Oleg Markov. So maybe missed the mark there as well. Yeah, I think uh, one area they did improve was at the top. Uh, just a few more players uh, leading from the front there. And that came, as you say, despite the absence of Jared Witts, who was a massive loss. Uh, you can't go past the fantastic season of uh, Tuke Miller, who was rewarded with All-Australian selection. He just uh, absolutely took his game to a new level and became one of the uh, the premier midfielders in the competition. Also really good seasons and, and strong leadership from David Swallow, who's been doing it for them for a long time now. And Sam Collins, who's a real uh, bedrock of their defensive efforts. I think the big plus for them this year, for any relative to other seasons, is that at least they didn't completely fall off a cliff and uh, win only one or two of their last, uh, what, 15, 16 games, which we've become used to. Had some great wins towards the back end, and, and I mentioned the Richmond one, but also beating GWS the following week up at a very windswept Mars Stadium in Ballarat. That was a particularly good win. And uh, another good win in the third last game over the Blues. Seven wins, uh, their best return for some time indeed. In fact, their best return since 2014. So something at least for Stuart due to build on. Got to say, though, for all that, they still seem a fair way off the pace to me. Yeah, I mean, it's a glass half full, half empty, bro. And you pointed out some late season performances that were better than previous years. But how about the losses to the Bombers and the Demons late in the season? They were terrible efforts, actually. So there's still a lot of work to be done in terms of taking on an AFL game and giving a sort of performance that you would describe as AFL standard. They'd be pleased with Ben King, 47 goals. In fact, they should be wrapped with his return. That's a good effort for a full forward for a lowly side. And I guess, really, beyond Ben King, the forward line needs a bit of work. Sam Day, he's been a, a sort of a stop-start type career that looks to have reached its end at the Gold Coast. I just wonder whether they can get into the market and pick up another forward a key forward to really make them a, a double-pronged danger down there. And beyond that, I think uh, probably a lot of the work comes around the club too, just creating a, a sustainable football culture and building some support because it, it really is hard to see it at times with the Suns. So I guess that can probably only come with a greater winning record. But seven wins under Stuart Dew was at least a start in the right direction and Hopefully, Wits back, Matt Rowell back, fit and in form gives them something to look forward to in 2022. Okay, let's move on. 
in 15th spot on the ladder, Adelaide with seven wins and 15 losses. Uh, points for the Crows ranked only 14th. Fewest points conceded, well, 16th. And uh, they leaked some serious scores to opponents during the season. Season high for the Crows, not much doubt about this one. It was a fantastic win against Melbourne at home in round 10. And that was the Demons' first loss of 2021. So they bought to an end the longest winning streak of the season. The Crows, a terrific game of footy that won the low. Uh, well, that came a couple of months later, round 17 at Marvel Stadium against Essendon, a hapless performance by Adelaide in that one. They lost by 63 points, but even more so, managed to kick just two goals for the entire game in pristine conditions. Uh, we're seeing a lot of change list-wise with the Crows. Finally, uh, who are the sorts of players who uh, were injured and weren't able to assist them in that campaign? Rowan, you know, they didn't have a lot of serious injuries. And I guess they'd be needing a similarly good run next season to move up the ladder. Luke Brown missed half the season. We know Taylor Walker missed five games at the end of the season for all the wrong reasons. And Rory Sloan missed a month of football during the middle of the year. But otherwise, they had a pretty healthy list to choose from for much of the season, Rowan. In fact, towards the end of the year, they chose, uh, interestingly, not to go with their number one ruckman. And I don't know where Riley O'Brien's future is. So I know that he missed because of injury, but... I'm not 100% sure whether he makes that team at his very best anyhow. They used 37 players for the season. We saw quite a few youngsters, and I think that's where a lot of the hope for the future comes from, the big improvement in some of those young players, and we can go through them. But at the top of the list, the likes of Schoenberg and Keyes head up a pretty strong physically and now new-look midfield. Yeah, they certainly aren't uh, shy to shuffle a lot of players through that lineup. I, I wrote down the ones that caught my eye. I thought uh, Harry Schomburg, uh, probably the most impressive. Lockie Scholl, uh, real classy looking player. Ned McHenry, I thought pretty solid. Chase Jones has been a bit of a slow burn, but I thought he started to make some uh, good progress. Jordan Butts in defence, perhaps a surprising emergence from him, but I thought he battled on pretty well all year. Uh, maybe the one they might even be the most excited about, and he was a pretty early draft pick, but Riley Philthorpe up forward. He looks like a long-term prospect and uh, a bit of a partner for some of the other young forwards up there as we bid farewell at some stage to the likes of Tex Walker. How do you assess them? Well, they certainly started far better than we imagined. Great win at the start of the year against Geelong and there were some pretty sort of uh, negative reports coming out of South Australia and beyond as to how their season would pan out. But they were pretty competitive right throughout the year. It's always a case of Fortress Adelaide Oval for both them and Port Adelaide. It's a dangerous place to go and it continued to prove to be so. I really like Tom Dode in defence. He's a, a wonderful player, courageous, works with the flight of the ball. No Jake Kelly next year, but I think they're pretty excited about, say, a young player like Jordan Butts and his future as a key defender. They're an interesting side, again, because of what happened with Taylor Walker at the end of the year. 
He had a great season up till then, but his future very much up in the air. And their forward line is going to take some rebuilding. There's no question. Phil Thorpe, the man to build it around. Whether or not we see that in the short term, I'm pretty dubious. Long term, though, in terms of two or three years, far more positive, Rowan. Well, uh, the big uh, plus for them and the big winner, I reckon, Rory Laird. Fantastic year by him in the midfield. And his move from defence to midfield has been pretty inspired uh, by Matthew Nix. The forward line is a big issue for mine. It's a bit of a mess. Uh, Frampton, uh, Elliot Himmelberg, you know, they've tried plenty up there, but uh, still to show that they're long-term solutions. Uh, and a bit, a bit of a generational change going on still. After a couple of years of a rebuild, uh, we bid farewell to David McKay, uh, Daniel Tatalia, Tom Lynch. So they're going to have to hit the draft pretty hard. But uh, it's a long-term build with Matthew Nix in charge. Some quick final thoughts from you, Finey. Well, I think that Adelaide have pointed in the right direction. They've certainly shown that they're going to continue through the draft. And some of those delistings are almost surprising, Tom Lynch at the head of them for mine, but it shows that they are absolutely committed, wedded to a youthful future. So maybe 2021, a bit more pain before game, but I think that they're doing the right thing. All right. That is the Crows in 2021. Let's move another rung up the AFL ladder. Coming in 14th was Hawthorne. Seven wins, 13 losses. Two draws. Don't see that very often. Points scored, they ranked just 13th. And points conceded 15th. So they did concede some pretty reasonable tallies to opponents. The high for the Hawks, well, they had some good wins. I thought the pick of them probably a 38-point win over Sydney on the SCG in round 13. Played some pretty impressive footy that evening. And the low for the Hawks, I think it was a pretty feeble uh, smashing at the hands of St Kilda in round seven at Marvel Stadium. That one by 69 points and really never looked part of the contest at any stage. Certainly had some big names injured finally and a couple who didn't play at all. Tell us about them. Well, of course, you're talking about James Sicily who missed the entire season. And Jack Gunston, who only played one game. Well, that is experience and class at both ends of the ground. Uh, they also, I think their best young player, for mine, actually, one of the best young players in the competition, Will Day, only played five games in 2021. Boy, they'll be looking forward to his return. Uh, the back line was impacted late in the season when you consider how well young Jath was going. He missed the last month and a half, six games there. Wingard missed six games. A month of football missed by O'Meara. Gee, there's a lot of players that offered a great deal of quality. Jarman Impey missed two months of football. He's a good player. They really suffered, I think, as badly as anybody when it comes to injury. 38 players used probably out of necessity with all those injuries, but we saw the development of some very good young players, Rowan. Yeah, we did. Uh, really impressive. Uh, Chankov, Jaff, uh, probably the pick of him for mine. He looks like a really exciting prospect for the next few years, dashing out of defence. Dylan Moore, uh, terrific as a small forward. And Jacob Kaczynski really grew into that key forward role. And another perhaps surprise pluck 
from the uh, mid-season draft, Lockie Bramble, who's already been rewarded with a contract extension. So pretty exciting stuff. You can't talk about Hawthorne without talking about the massive change at the top of the tree, and that is the coach, of course, Alistair Clarkson, now finished as Hawthorne coach after an incredible era with four premierships and a certified legend under his watch in Sam Mitchell taking over the reins. I'll tell you what, though, Finey, I reckon you would be viewing Hawthorne as a 2022 prospect a bit more positively than you would have before the last half a dozen games of the season because in those last six games, they only lost once. They managed three wins, two draws, and I think we're looking at them a bit differently by season's end than we were about the start of July. No, you're right. 2022, I think, offers a great deal of promise for them. They'll be a very interesting player in the trade period, though, won't they? They've sort of indicated that they are willing to move on a couple of experienced players. The name Tom Mitchell keeps bobbing up, but I cannot believe that Sam Mitchell, in his first year of coach, would let go a Brownlow medalist and a ball maglet like Tom Mitchell. Jack Gunston, on the other hand, he's definitely on the market. Only played one game this year, so they wouldn't really be losing too much going forwards in terms of improvement. Very exciting, and I think the excitement stems from that back line. If they get Will Day right, if they get Jath right, and they get Sicily back and playing, I can't see that team not really improving. And they are Hawthorne. And we have lived in the era, Rowan, of Hawthorne bouncing back quicker than a Super Bowl being bounced on the, you know, in a, in a car park floor. They bounce and they bounce hard. You were searching hard for that uh, was, metaphor there. You were. Uh, I can't quite get my head around Jack Gunston being traded out. I think Gunston is a sensational player. And uh, I think out of sight, out of mind a bit. I think if he's fit... Um, there's no way you would you would be going with him. I'd be staggered if they traded him, but you know they have traded out some big names before, uh, so it remains to be seen. Uh, shouldn't overlook either. I think against the odds, some really good seasons from Tom Mitchell. Uh, you know, finally managed to shake off any lingering effects from that shocking broken leg a couple of years ago. And Jager O'Meara, his best season for the Hawks yet, and uh, underlining that he can still be. A very good player for them. Uh, going to be a really, in, going to be a really interesting debut year for Sam Mitchell, but uh, one in which I think the Hawks are capable of springing a few surprises. All right, that's Hawthorne in 2021. Let's go up to position 13th on the ladder. Carlton Football Club, well, they aspired to a finals berth in 2021. They didn't get it. In fact, they're a long way short in the finish. They finished 13th with just eight wins for the season, 14 losses. Uh, Points scored, they ranked only 10th. Points conceded, and boy, this was a major issue, 17th. Only one team conceded more points than the Blues in 2021. Season high, I would argue it was the round 20 victory over St Kilda at Marvel Stadium by 31 points. The Blues played some particularly good footy in that one. The season low, well, only the week previously, it was a 39-point loss to North Melbourne, after which the speculation about coach David Teague really gathered steam and, of course, resulted in him eventually 
losing his job. What about injuries, Finey? How hard did injuries bite for the Blues? Well, again, mainly we look at Charlie Curnow. He came back, and that was good news to see him return with a month to go. But we can only ponder and imagine what that forward line would be like with a fully fit Curnow. And, of course, Harry Mackay. Doherty missed the last two months of the season, but there is a school of thought that says that he might struggle to be in their best 22. Anyhow, Patrick Cripps missed a handful of games, but again, whether or not he can play the whole 22 is questionable. So really, they generally had a pretty good run with injury. The other player to miss out, Pitanay, missed out nine games, but I'm not sure whether he's going to be a first choice going forward either. So not really impacted terribly beyond Kerno in terms of playing stocks. They tried 39 players, so they had a look at just about everyone. Well, this is another club uh, around whom the off-field uh, issues uh, couldn't be separated from the on-field issues, and uh, it got worse the longer the season went and the more the year fell into disrepair and fair bit of collateral damage at the finish. David Teague removed as coach and just in the last week, Kane Little sacked as chief executive assistant coaches. John Barker, Brent Stanton also moved on from the Blues. Uh, some big pluses on the field, I thought. Harry Mackay, the most obvious one, he won the Coleman medal. 58 goals, uh, terrific performance from him and one which earned him All-Australian selection. We finally saw Charlie Kerno back on the park and that was a huge plus for the Blues. Uh, anything he delivers in the next year will be a big bonus indeed. Jacob Wiedering, terrific year from him at uh, full back and Sam Walsh of course just going from strength to strength. What a brilliant uh, young player he is. So you look at that side of it fine and you think well there's plenty of promise there but they just can't get it together at the top end, can they? Or it seems in terms of the brand of football they play. No, consistency, a big problem from them. There were times that they did look highly competitive. And then, as you said, games like the loss to Gold Coast, when they were still a chance to make the finals, very disappointing. I don't think that they'd be too excited about the return from their big recruits. And that, I'm talking about Zach Williams, who did miss a couple of like eight games of football, but I'm not sure about his durability or his position in the team where he's best suited. Saad seemed to play injured for part of the year. They didn't get his expected run. They've invested heavily financially in them. They've still got to pay Mitch McGovern a lot of money. They get very little return from him. Let's hope if they do pick up, say, a terror from Fremantle that they finally get the return on the investment that they expect because... I think recruiting from other clubs has been where they've fallen short. They've done well in the draft, but not so well at the trade table. Well, another uh, big off-season on that score. As you say, Adam Chera, if he turns up, he surely will be a huge help to them. He is a terrific young player and very highly rated and really started to come into his own at Fremantle. George Hewitt from uh, Sydney, another potential uh, pick up who uh, is an interesting one. Nick Newman, uh, formerly of the Swans, has been pretty reasonable for the Blues. So maybe Hewitt, his former teammate, can come aboard and play a role too. Pretty good run with player is George Hewitt. You're right about Zach Williams, tremendously disappointing and sad, serviceable uh, without being 
brilliant. So uh, you'd say uh, probably a negative return on the pair of those investments. I think the big issue for them is their game style. They got smashed in the contested ball and the clearances. Uh, very leaky defence. And there's no doubt, given that uh, internal review, which cited defence is a massive problem for the Blues, that will be a key focus of whoever it is who ends up getting that senior coaching job. Still in doubt as we bring this to you. All right, that was the Blues. Let's go up to 12th. Finishing in 12th spot. And uh, I didn't expect to be saying this. Richmond. Yep, the winner of three of the last four flags could only finish 12th in 2021 with nine wins, 12 losses and a draw in the final game of the season. Points for the Tigers only ranked 11th in that stat and fewest points conceded. Well, given the difficulties, their defence held up pretty well and uh, there were times when they were missing almost their entire defence. The Tigers ranked eighth for fewest points conceded. Season high, uh, I would say it was the round seven win over the Western Bulldogs who are in really good form at that stage. That came by 22 points and in a game in which the Tigers had kicked only two goals to half time. Season low, well, it came among a backdrop of uh, injuries to key players, their form starting to waver, certainly their confidence. But a round 16 loss to Gold Coast at Marvel Stadium in Melbourne was a major shock. 10 points, the margin in that one. And uh, I think that was the moment everyone knew for sure this was a far inferior version of Richmond than we had seen for the previous four years. Injuries, though, Finey, they were a huge factor in the Tigers' demise. Have a listen to this, Rowan. Noah Bolter missed eight matches. Dion Prestia, 13 games. He probably the headline act in terms of number of weeks. Nick Vlosten missed 10 games. Nathan Broad, eight matches. Toby Nankurva, six games. Always sorely missed when he doesn't play. Kane Lambert, nine matches. Bashar Hawley, now retired, missed 10 games. We saw Shane Edwards miss a very important month and a half. And, of course, Dustin Martin missing the last six games of the season. How about that for a chunk out of your best team, Rowan? Very hard to replace impossible to replace and they used a season high 40 players throughout the year Robert. well it's uh, when you lose them and and uh, the clusters in which you lose them and uh, the back line was was just decimated wasn't it I mean uh, at one stage Asbury Bolter Broad Hooley and Vlosten all out at the same time I mean that gives you a second string back line in the entirety of a defensive unit. And I think one thing that was exposed, so when I say exposed, I mean, it's not surprising, but uh, depth was far more of an issue this year than uh, previously. And that's unfortunately a legacy uh, left by success that the fringe players at your club move elsewhere for opportunity. So we saw the likes of uh, Hugo Ralph-Smith, Riley Collier-Dawkins come in, Thompson Dow, Ryan Mansell, uh, Callum Coleman-Jones had some signs, but as a group, did they have anything like the impact the Tigers' depth players have had in those premiership years? Nowhere near it. Um, I think there were some good signs. Liam Baker really uh, added a few strings to his bow, if you like, in terms of where he played. 
And Jack Graham, really good player, Jack Graham. And he got uh, a, a lot more out of himself this year. And even the old warhorse, Jack Rewalt, a uh, pretty good year by him too. So there were some positives there. But, uh, boy, it's uh, just such a turnaround from premiership to 12th for next season. How do you see it? Well, Rowan, we do have a competition that is based on a draft and on a salary cap that is supposed to offer some equalisation. And I guess we saw it work to good effect, if that is the idea of it, with the Richmond Football Club. Because as you said, finally, the backup players weren't able to maintain the quality uh, that the players that they were replacing had provided. And that really is the idea of being lowered down in the draft. Ultimately, it was that weight of young players that made them a vulnerable team. What does that mean going forward? Probably good for the club. Maybe not in terms of bouncing back to win a premiership, but certainly quickly bouncing back to be a a competitive finals um, aspirant. Absolutely. When you consider that Bolter and Broad were out of that back line and they can come back at the start of next season, that's a big plus. They hope Nankervis is fit for the whole year. The one interesting look is Tom Lynch. Now, he played all bar four games. I'm not quite sure that he's providing the sort of return that would be expected of a player of his ability. Rewalt goes around again, but they need more from Lynch if they're seriously going to challenge the top four for next year. Yeah, good observations. Uh, The other one I should have mentioned just quickly too in terms of that defence was Daniel Rioli's uh, shift back to the half-back line. I thought that was a big plus, and he looks like an obvious replacement for Bashar Hawley. But uh, they're not done with yet. I think uh, only a fool would think that uh, we've heard the last of Richmond as far as uh, premiership aspirations go. All right, the Tigers finished 12th. Let's have a look at who finished 11th. In 11th position in 2021 was the Fremantle Football Club. They had 10 wins and 12 losses. Uh, Had trouble scoring points for the Dockers ranked only 15th points, fewest points conceded the Dockers ranked 12th season high. Well, for mine, it came in the second last game of the season and it was a win over the arch rival and the local nemesis West coast by 15 points. It was the Dockers' first derby win after 11 straight losses stretching all the way back to 2015 and kept them in the finals hunt. And the low for Fremantle early in the season, it was a road trip and they really did struggle on the road, particularly early in the season. A 45-point loss against Carlton at Marvel Stadium in round three. And uh, I remember that game. Uh, You knew after about 10 minutes that Freo weren't going to fire a shot. And that was a disturbing theme too often any time they jumped on the plane. Uh, Freo, not a side that could afford injuries to its top-line talent, but they certainly had to put up with a few, didn't they, Fine? They did. For the first three quarters of the season, it was actually their back line that received um, most of the injury problems. Joel Hamling only played one game. We know he's a good defender and sorely missed. Their probably best defender, Alex Pierce, didn't appear till the second half of the season. He missed 12 games. And when you throw in the likes of Brennan Cox missing 10 games and Big Griffin Logue 
missing a month and a half of football, you can see that the back line was impacted upon. Up forward problems as well. Michael Walters missed the last six games of the season. Rory Lobb, the last nine games of the season. Matthew Tabernum missed six games. They really had their best forward line in operation. And, of course, Nat Fife. He had his injury problems as well and had an early end to the season. He missed seven games in total. So there were injury problems all around the ground for the Dockers, Rowan. They used 39 players, but they're a team that really relies on their top 26 and they rarely were able to choose from them. Yeah, that's been the case for a fair while. I, I felt with them that uh, they were always going to pull up short and, you know, I think their ability against the absolute best sides in the competition was underlined by the fact that they ended up with a 2-8 record against the eventual top eight. And a percentage of 86.5 also indicating the struggle to hit the scoreboard. Um, the young talent, look, Caleb Sarong, he's a gun. Andrew Brayshaw, I think we saw a lot more from him. Sean Darcy. Uh, terrific ruckman. He's going to be one of the premier ruckmen in the competition for some years. You'd think, unfortunately, the big uh, negative here is that they lose Adam Chera. And it's a real shame because that young combination, I think, uh, could be one of the best midfield groups in the game. Unfortunately, Chera feeling the lure of home. Look, the other big issue for them, and it's, it's not rocket science, but it was simply... Conversion. How many opportunities did they butcher? How many shockingly inaccurate scorelines did they register? In fact, they kicked more behinds than goals in 15 of their 22 games. So that's something they've really got to tidy up under Justin Longmuir if they're aspiring to be a genuine final side fine. Yeah, spot on, Rowan. Look, there's that sort of nagging feeling that I've got, and I think a lot of pundits would have, that their best player this year was clearly their oldest in David Mundy. I mean, it was a great performance, but can they really expect and can we really expect that continued output from a player, you know, closer to 40 than 30? Gee, it's a big ask. For five minutes, it looked like they were going to have the best possible replacement for Chera in Lockie Neal. But of course, that's no longer happening. So optimism that they might have one of the real powerhouse midfields now is a concern that they have a midfield, unfortunately, that is without one of their main components. They need that forward line to stand up. And I mean by Rory Lobb and Tabner playing every game. Walters missed six games, Rowan, but he was a shadow of his former self in the 16 that he played. I do have concerns for Fremantle and the concerns are that that midfield has an injury prone Fife and an ageing Mundy at the centre of its effectiveness and to be honest, losing Chera is losing a player at the wrong end of the age scale. Yeah, it certainly is and I think they've got to be looking to trade in some more senior talent to Jordan Clark. Uh, of Geelong as one name who has come up in terms of potential free A pickups, but uh, just got to keep bolstering that talent because there still is an unhealthy reliance on too few players, you'd think. All right, that is the Dockers. They finished 11th. That is the end of part one of this season review for the non-grand finalists. Uh, look out for part two where we wrap up 
teams which finished 10th to 3rd. On the ladder, the Footyology podcast, of course, always proudly brought to you by Palmerbet. Play the punting advantage this footy season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. And there are other wonderful sponsors for any. Well, at the top end of the ladder, you'd be looking for, in terms of hamburger quality, at 144 Bridport Street, Albert Park, and Rules Hamburgers, and the best house built in the land. It's also a top-of-the-ladder proposition. West Point Properties, Nick Spartels and the team. And don't forget the best in stats. Stats Insider, the best sports data analysts in the business. They work with more than 15 sports across the globe, sampling an event 10,000 times to best understand the range of possible and probable outcomes. Uh, Also, some great writing on their site, all free to use. Check it out at statsinsider.com.au. Give them a follow on Twitter at Stats Insider. All right, part one is done. Four teams finishing 10th to 3rd on the AFL ladder in 2021. We'll see you over at part two.